Hello, hello, hello. Hello and welcome to this episode of Special Ed Rising, the podcast, No Parent Left Behind, the show that speaks to parents and caregivers on topics related to the world of exceptional needs and related educational services. If you crave knowledge and support in a low-stress environment, then you've come to the right place. I'm Mark, and I have 34 years of experience teaching kids and coaching parents, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope this podcast can inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, an outpouring of goodness, and positive role modeling for your children. Always keep you and your mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health in mind. Health in these areas will allow you to be all you hope to be for them. Today I'll be speaking about preparing yourself for the new school year. Setting the tone and the level of your involvement early can make a huge difference in the success of your child. Afterwards, stay tuned for a tip of the cap offering today's parenting tip and my good news community share where you'll hear some positive news happening in the world of exceptional needs and related education. So sharpen your pencils and let's prep our way to another win. During my time in the classroom, I've had parents that were super, super involved, um, and I've had parents that you never heard or peep from the entire year, and that, you know, was contingent upon a lot of different things, a lot of reasons for it. Um, but, you know, there were parents that were so involved to the point where they interfered, and then there were parents that were just involved enough to find a good balance and create a good working relationship. Um, and so, you know, the reason I'm doing today's episode is because I really feel like it's important for you to realize the impact of your involvement in your child's education. So that said, let's get moving. The new school year brings with it anticipation of new goals and an array of hopes for teachers, children, administrators, and parents. Each group has its own focus and its own priorities for what they believe is important to get things off and running on a positive track. Some might consider a good start to be an indication of how the year will proceed, while a bad one can signal the opposite. But this isn't a hard and fast rule, and it's entirely up to the teacher and their team to use the strength of their skills to overcome adversity. The year isn't lost if the opening is hampered by the unpredictabilities of a new school year, because there's time to step back and reboot. It was rare in my experience that Any year began without some fits and starts due to incomplete scheduling, administrative distractions, busing, a child's adjustments to new teachers, aides, classrooms, etc. This is the mild chaos that a good teacher works around in order to begin to establish the rules, routines, and the community of their classroom. These things, no matter the distractions, are critical from the start in order to establish authority, order, connect with and gain the trust of the students, and nurture the character of the group. For parents, uh, how you're heard on day one and in the ensuing first days and weeks can set the tone for the rest of the year, and that tone can lead to impressions and expectations from the staff when they consider you and your involvement. This is a real thing, and that's why I'm encouraging you to be as much a part of your child's experience as you possibly can be. With a new school year comes changes, philosophical, structural, staffing, and more, each one having a life of its own that impacts the nature of the school environment as a whole. So you want to be prepared. 
It doesn't hurt to inquire about any dramatic changes so you can prepare your child, as well as be ready yourself in order that new policies don't jump up and bite you. As a teacher, having my room set up to capture the students' imaginations, excite them, and be functionally sound was my goal to start. Having them wanting to come to school makes everyone's life easier. But this isn't always attainable right off, and some children need more time and specific considerations to adjust their experience and make it work for them. And maybe, to your surprise, having an involved and evolved parent, meaning one who's informed and understands that teachers are fallible, to work with can make all of the difference in fostering healthy first days. That said, the first thing I believe for you to do in preparation for day one is to familiarize yourself with your child's IEP. Because whatever changes have occurred systemically at the school, the IEP does not change. This is the document that will guide your child's days, and if you aren't on top of it, there's a chance that you may miss something that may not be happening to help your child achieve their goals. You will want to know the goals, the accommodations, modifications, and services inside and out to be sure that the school is honoring the contract. If you find discrepancies, it's your job to bring them to the teacher's attention. And honestly, this process needs to be initiated at the CSE. This is when you have the flexibility in the moment to request or deny goals that you deem relevant or not. This, again, should be a team process with the teacher and administration if needed. There shouldn't be any surprises come September. You need to feel confident and relaxed knowing that the goals for your child are reasonable and realistic. And it's encouraged that at the first meeting of the new school year, which I'll be talking about next, you review the IEP. The next thing I suggest is to get to know the teacher immediately. Introduce yourself in writing via a parent-teacher communication book or set up an early meeting in person or virtually to establish your working relationship and get on the same page. You want to be able to know what's happening in the class and it's very helpful for the teacher to know what's happening at home, the, the kind of things that might be or could in the future impact your child's days. So the sooner you can establish this working rapport, the more on top of things that teacher will be because they will be consciously working not only for your child, but for you. If a parent is quiet, it's easy for a teacher to dismiss them and assume that everything is all right. The approach you take in relating with the teacher and the school matters. Just as you want them to respect everything you say and feel, they want and deserve, until shown otherwise, the same consideration. You have the upper hand here, and you have the choice as to how you want this relationship to be. Do you want it to be cooperative and constructive, or do you want to wield your power and be combative? Because you can treat the staff rudely, and they must eat it and still perform. This privilege is not reciprocal, and a bad attitude from you will only create tension that will most likely emerge, even subconsciously, with a teacher and affect their performance. A teacher unnecessarily walking on eggshells each time they interact with your child because they're concerned that they will do something wrong in your eyes and have to deal with the fallout, is not going to be an effective teacher. This is a lot of extra stress that adds to an already stressful job. I would encourage you to realize that you both want the same thing and to be aware that the teacher is a person too and not a robot. They will screw up on occasion and so will you. Let your humanity be the thing that leads you. Remember, a respectful working relationship focusing on both the areas of concern and the recognition of the triumphs is healthy and will pay off far greater in the end for your precious kids. From an article entitled, How Do I Get My Child's IEP Going at the Beginning of the School Year by Bob Cunningham writing for understood.org. He says, 
Parents who escalate tensions with the school may not make as much progress as parents who remain calm and cooperative. In keeping with the creation of this teamwork concept, I would suggest setting up monthly meetings with your child's team, including teacher, relevant related services, and if possible, the aide, because this person is with your child most of the day during transitions, toileting, lunch, and out-of-the-classroom specials like gym. On occasion, if needed, you can request a supervisor be present. A monthly meeting enables you to review how things are going and helps all to focus on strategies and objectives to help achieve goals. Communication books work great for quick touching of bases, from informing the staff of behaviors at home, rough mornings, family issues that might be impacting behaviors at school, etc., to updating med changes, to quick updates to get a measure of how your child is managing, and more. It doesn't have to be an everyday thing unless you request it, which is your right. The homeschool connection I've always found, even in the cases where a parent didn't communicate as frequently, increase the likelihood of making positive gains and changes for the students, both in school and at home. On day one, teachers and aides may be new to each other and their chemistry can take time and isn't assured by any means. This is where I ran into trouble with administration some years because it was rarely the kids I felt in the end that were being considered, as the impact of a strained and ineffective team can turn the classroom from a blooming cherry to a sour grape. I am not saying that you have a lot of pull in this matter, but if you sense discord, I feel you have the right to inquire about the team itself. And if it comes to light that the chemistry is not there, speak with the administration about it. Naturally, there are times when we all work with people we aren't comfortable with and have to be professional and rise above it. I grew from some of these negative experiences and learned that I would have to manage the stress and find a way. I will say, however, that one's feelings are one's feelings, and if you don't know how to give them space, they'll eat away at you. Early on in my career, I struggled with this. Between stimulus and response, there's a space to make a choice of how we want to be in a given moment. Again, from Bob Cunningham writing for understood.org, he advises when moving to a new school, as soon as you can, send a copy of the IEP to the counselor or administrator at the school. And as soon as you find out who will be teaching your child next year, consider sending those teachers a copy of the IEP too. When you send someone a copy of your child's IEP, include a little introduction. Mention that you and your child are looking forward to the new school year. Include some suggestions about what most helps your child get off to a good start in the new school year. And if you're really motivated, request a summer meeting with an administrator. Ask to meet the principal, assistant principal, or another year-round employee during the months when school isn't in session. Summer's a great time to speak with someone who will be able to make sure your child's services are put into place quickly. ReadingRockets.org has a great back-to-school tips page, which I'll attach to the resource page of my website. One great piece of advice is organize all that paperwork. In the world of special education, there are a lot of meetings, paperwork, and documentation to keep track of. Try to keep a family calendar of school events, special education meetings, conferences, etc. Setting up a binder or folder to keep your child's special education documentation, meeting notices, and IEPs in sequential order can also help you stay organized. That's a really helpful piece of advice. Know your rights as a parent and the rights that protect your child and allow them equal opportunities. You have this responsibility. The school also has responsibility to you. NCHPAD, Building Healthy Inclusive Communities through the National Center on Health, Physical Activity, and Disability, reminds us that the school must make a reasonable effort and accommodations to ensure that 
you can attend and participate in the meeting. For example, if needed, a school should provide an interpreter for you. The school is responsible for informing you about the meeting and informing you of your rights and where to find help in understanding them. If you can't attend the meeting, the school should find alternative formats for you to participate, such as individual or conference telephone calls or video conferencing. A new school year brings with it excitement and visions of a fresh start. Don't get lulled into complacency. If you're involved, then your child has the best chance to reach whatever potential they have within them. Don't simply trust the schools to do the right thing for your child. Be an active participant. And if your child is able, make them an active participant in the creation of their goals as they travel along their unique paths. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. Today's tip comes from the readingrockets.org page I mentioned earlier. It's entitled, Start a Communication Log. Keeping track of all phone calls, emails, notes home, meetings, and conferences is important. Create a communication log for yourself in a notebook that is easily accessible. Be sure to note the dates, times, and nature of the communications you have. Today's Good News Community Share comes from Education Week at edweek.org, and it's entitled, Projects Aim to End Waits for Autism Diagnoses, Reduce Anxiety for Students, by Sarah D. Sparks. Months of lockdowns have left a massive backlog of children who show the warning signs of autism, waiting for a formal evaluation to get help. That's why Megan Roberts hopes to move autism evaluations out of doctor's offices and onto Zoom conferences, using staff who already work regularly with schools and early learning centers. In the process, she also hopes to clear the entire waiting list of 1,224 children in need of an autism evaluation in Illinois. Robert's project is one of seven projects that have been awarded a share of $14 million grants from the National Center for Special Education Research. All of the funded projects are focused on supporting students with disabilities who have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics close to your heart and welcome fresh and informative insights into areas that are new to you. It's an honor to have you tune in and a pleasure to share with you. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram at Special Ed Rising, Facebook at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button and or leave a review at the bottom of the podcast feed and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent coaching, through my email, specialedrising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. I would love for you to share some of your stories, which I can add to the community share page of my website. And with your permission, I'd love to share your submissions with the audience. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising. Keep rising.